SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Football Full Circle. Mike and George coming at you right here on the grid. What's going on, George? How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well, Michael. And before we start the show, I must wish my oh my oh, wrong daughter, youngest daughter, almost said oldest, my youngest Close. daughter, happy birthday uh, today. She turns 10 today. So happy, uh, birthday, happy birthday, birthday, Madison. Happy birthday, Madison. So we'll dedicate this show in her honor. And hopefully one day she'll get a contract as or perhaps tomorrow she'll get a gift as big as <laughs> Travis Kelsey got. From the Kansas City Chiefs this week, he signs an extension just the day after George Kittle signs his. I know we mentioned it in Saturday's program, but uh, just want, we got a few more details uh, as things rolled in uh, during the week. He agrees to terms, as you can see here from Aaron Rappaport. Uh, Chiefs agreed to terms with Travis Kelsey on a four-year extension worth between 14 and $15 million per year in new money average. Uh, big contract there. Uh, it's different from the Kittle deal in that Kelsey had two years left. So the structure isn't the same. That being said, he gets a good extension here. The actual details are four years, $57.25 million, includes $28 million in guarantees. I think we usually got to wait a couple days in order to see what the actual guarantees and how front-loaded, back-loaded this is, George. But he's in Kansas City for another six years based on this deal. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I mean, when you think about it, did you find it weird, though, that we find out George Kittle in the AM, and then a couple hours later, it may, it may not have even been a couple of hours later, all of a sudden Kelsey gets his deal. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's coincidence, but this is also strange to me. These Both these deals got done at the same time on the same day. So uh, I don't know. I mean, were the agents talking to each other about how much they could get? The deals are somewhat similar as far as AAV. Uh you look at the contract, though, and uh, what, this is one of the reasons why I follow Andrew Brandt. He pretty much tells you it's two years, and then we'll see. You know, right. and we pretty much go by a year-by-year basis. Like a lot of contracts, we want to know what the structure is. Where's the guarantee? When do the guarantees start? When can a team rip it up and move on, should Kelsey yeah. so they, uh, get old quick? So when they say $28 million in guarantees, that's great. I just want to know how much is fully guaranteed. What all George and I are looking at, and you as an NFL fan should be at home, is when can the team get out of the deal? What will he reasonably, and what will he have been paid to that point? Uh, guarantees against injury are obviously important for the mega deals like Mahomes, so that if he got hurt this year, Pat Mahomes did, he'd still have $140 million to be able to collect. That's a big guarantee, sort of unusual. We actually, George and I, thought it would be higher. But nonetheless, that's why we usually say, well, we don't know quite how great this deal is. But to your point, Ross Tucker, a uh, longtime NFL player and a member of the media right now, had tweeted out right after the Kittle announcement that that sound that you hear is the agents of Travis Kelsey picking up the phone in order to get an extension. And sure enough, 24 hours later, uh, that's the deal. And it's finalized, even less than 24 hours. So, uh, the Chiefs, who had $171, not thousand, not million dollars. I thought it was $126 in cap space. Yeah, we conflicting, uh, conflicting uh, values here. Uh, earlier this spring, 
now have extended Pat Mahomes for $500 million, Travis Kelsey for $57 million, and Chris Jones with the payday, I think, in the $85 million range, if memory serves. So uh, they've done a really nice job being able to structure these contracts accordingly. They obviously got a little bit of a bump with in cap space due to the fact that uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Damian Williams, and uh, missing one other player of theirs that opted out. Another lineman. But, yeah, uh, blanking. But nonetheless, those three opted out, giving them a little bit of cap space for this year. Might have been able to help the structure, uh, give some more people some money up front. But uh, good deal for him. And uh, as you can see from this stat from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Travis Kelsey has 100 catches of 15 or more yards since 2017. That's 31 more than that of any other tight end during that span. As a smooth route runner who doesn't take on a heavy blocking burden, his game should age well. I think that's fair to say, but a guy's his size playing a still physical position, even though perhaps not as physical as Kittle or other tight ends, uh, I'm... I'm not totally convinced that he can make it to the end of this deal in good shape. That being said, Antonio Gates made it farther than that, and I don't think he was quite the athlete that Travis Kelsey was. I agree with you. I mean, Kelsey is a different type of tight end. He is closer to that wide receiver playing tight end. They don't ask him to block all that much. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do this year because of the uh, they lost a couple of linemen. I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, but I think he will age better than most. I think that is fair to say. Uh, he doesn't seem to take the big hits like Gronk did over the years. It's, it just seemed like whenever I saw Gronk catch a pass, he always got leveled because people were always taking his legs out. They never. He was trying to stay on his feet. Yeah, and then he just always got leveled, and he's such a big guy that people always submarined him, right? Always take out his knees because he's too hard to get down from the show, uh, you know, from the waist on up. He's just too too big a guy here. So I think Kelsey will age well. Uh, it's funny you brought up the same thing I uh, was going to bring up about that they had a hundred and somewhat dollars of cap space. Good job by the capologist there. I mean, Mahomes, sure. Took a Crushing it. Team-friendly deal. You mentioned the players that uh, opted out due to COVID. That helped as well here. But I'll let you know, when a team says they have no cap space, they really do have cap space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we welcome in our radio audience uh, to finish out this segment, thank you for listening. But uh, Chiefs definitely done a really good job here. I think Brett Veach is really, uh, and his staff are making – are putting their stamp on this league in a huge way. Look, Brett Veach was the one that was standing on the table saying they needed to draft Mahomes. That one decision is going to make him immortal for many Kansas City fans. They, they, he selected the most valuable asset in the history of the NFL. Uh, there are many GMs that get things wrong, get things right, but him doing that and then being able to keep this championship team together in a way that some didn't expect they could, really fascinating some are trying to compare it to the rams being top heavy i don't quite see it that way yet george pat mahomes signed a team-friendly deal as big as it is we'll talk about that more after the break sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Back on the grid, Mike and George. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, on Instagram at SportsGridTV. George can be found on Twitter at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Blewett. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the hate mail today, but if there, well, you know what? Send it to Brian. If there's any hate mail for the show, 
send it directly to George. So, George, last thoughts on Kelsey. Um, people are trying to say, ah, here it is, Rams 2.0. They're going to be uh, they're going to be underwater on these contracts, and they're they're going to be too top heavy. It doesn't feel the same way to me. How about you? Well, I mean, we compare the Rams to the Chiefs. You're comparing Goff to Mahomes. Right. Uh, I'll take my chances with, with Mahomes, and he signed a team-friendly deal for what you and I and pretty much everybody thought he was going to get. So no, I don't see them as being too top-heavy. I imagine Kelsey is two years, and they can get out. And you, you're going to want Kelsey for at least two more years, if not three more years, before you really worry yeah. about him deteriorating. Uh, Chris Jones, yeah, pass rushes can sometimes fall off the planet real quick for different reasons. You know, they don't play as well. But no, I don't see this the same as the Rams here. Uh, well, it's it's mainly because of Mahomes. They're, I mean, he's talking about Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. Most of us would agree with that. Goff, he's not top 10. He may not be top 15. So there's a big difference there in where you're going underwater. Agreed. Uh, agreed. So, uh, all right. Uh, more serious story to talk about as I put on my spectacles. Uh, a little bit about coaches that have come in contact with COVID, front and center. We saw on Hard Knocks, really the first segment this week, was about Anthony Lynn telling his players that he had actually corrected, contracted coronavirus. ESPN, Tim McManus from ESPN, wrote a story about the number of coaches that have been really subjected to this uh, illness, A, and B, the number of high-risk guys that are still in coaching, George, you and I both know, having tracked the sport for a long time, is an extremely high-stress job. These guys do not put their health first almost ever, despite the fact that some of them were former players. They work themselves to the bone. They deal with all kinds of stuff that probably would could have been preventative if they put their health first. And the story starts out talking about Philadelphia Eagles offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. He's 58 years old, and when he's with the Miami Hurricanes 10 years ago, he was noticing discomfort during his daily workouts. It turned out he had a 99% blockage in one of his arteries. It led to triple bypass surgery. We bring up that story to say he is considered a high-risk individual having had this, having this heart cardiovascular issue. So... He's one of many we now know of coaches that have contracted the virus. You know about Sean Payton, Anthony Lynn, um, Doug Peterson. We have other coaches out there that are uh, older coaches as well. Romeo Cornell is 73. Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are 68. Bruce Arian, 67. Mike Zimmer, 64, had major eye surgery a few times. Uh, Chicago Bears, D.C., Chuck Pagano, 59 years of old, 59 years of age. He had leukemia in 2012. The way that they work and all this kind of stuff, people are starting to wonder, are any of these coaches going to opt out? And to date, nobody has. No, I don't think they will. I don't think the coaches will opt out. And I'm not saying they should, not saying they shouldn't. I just don't think they will. And I think part of that reason is fairly simple here. What do we know about coaches throughout the years? I mean, they will work, they usually work themselves to the bone. Some of these coaches show up before 6 a.m., don't go home till after midnight. They're getting three, four hours of sleep. This may be more old time. Joe Gibbs, we've heard the story that he used to sleep in the office. This wasn't yeah. worth going home anymore. Remember the Gary Kubiak situation? I Gary was about Kubiak. to bring him up. He was the next yeah. name. You know, what happened with him physically? I think, well, a lot of times what they're doing here, 
you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to work 20 hours a day for football. You just don't. I think they're just – some of that I think it's just for show. They want to show the owner how hard they're working. They want to show the media how hard they're working. It's you the know, culture. It's, it's the right, culture. It's the culture. But we've sort of seen that change, right, over the years, last couple of years, four or five years. The younger coach is coming in. To, well, you, don't, you don't need to put in that kind of time. It's really you're not doing anything different here. It can be done easier. So I want to hope that helps here. But you're absolutely right. I mean – they're going to be around all the sweating players. You know, great. They're not going in the scrums, but they'll be close to it in practice, watching what's going on there. You can't tell me there'll be no transference. So they would absolutely be at risk. Listen, we've seen in baseball some coaches opt out. Some teams, I believe it was the Milwaukee Brewers, said, hey, you'll get paid, but you're not coaching this year. You know, we, we think it's too dangerous for you. Chili Davis, the Mets batting instructor, is doing the instruction remotely. He uh, didn't, uh, didn't come because of uh, COVID. So you can't tell me that football coaches aren't at more risk. To do yeah. it, but I don't think you'll see any opt out because they'll be afraid of a because football is such a violent sport, tough man sport. They'll be afraid of a being you know, oh, you know you're weak, you know you're. It's so lame. It's it is lame, but lame. It's, it's it's the macho mentality. Yeah. So I think they're yeah, going to be really, forced themselves to go through it. It's really silly, and a lot of these guys do work themselves into the hospital. Um, we've seen it uh, a, a number of times. John Fox had health issues, obviously, in the middle of his season. Uh, Chuck Pagano had the most serious of health issues, which couldn't be prevented. But uh, nonetheless, uh, these guys do put themselves at risk. Herm Edwards, who's obviously a longtime NFL coach and now at Arizona State, is quote here in this article. When I go home at night, I'm exhausted. We haven't even practiced yet, said Edwards, uh, quote. And I'm just tired because I'm thinking of all the stuff. Oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Uh, stuff like how am I going to safely hold a team meeting with 100 student athletes? Now, obviously, the Pac-12 is canceled. Uh, for postponed for the fall. I guess it's canceled for the fall, postponed potentially until spring. But uh, nonetheless, he's just another example. And I, I met Herm Edwards in a, it's like a corporate speaking situation. He's one of my favorite speakers uh, I've ever seen. And he talked about his day, George. And this was a long time ago. It was probably 15 years ago, uh, before I started doing any broadcasting. And he talked about his day. Now he's 66 now, so to call it 15 years ago, he was right 50. around 50, 51. Uh, I was probably maybe 16 years ago or so that I saw him. But he said he would get up at four o'clock in the morning. His dad was in the military, so he's from a military family too. So that, that plays into it. He would not eat it. He would drink a cup of coffee, get a workout in, and Herm still to this day looks unbelievable for his age right um like looks like still has like a player's body uh physique he's in good shape and he would not eat all day he eat one meal a day he was doing intermittent fasting before people knew what it was and he was working himself like crazy but he's got you know him he's got so much energy that I just remember thinking, like, God, I'm 20 years younger than this guy, and he's got more energy than me. Uh, and I, I just think that we're talking about similar situations where that mentality is ingrained in these players. Now, I don't know if Herm would yell at any coach that's underneath him if he went home to try to have dinner with his family, but we both know that uh, football coaches' families don't see them during the season. Yeah, that's the way it works, right? It's almost like, well, you work your butt off during the season, and the offseason is when you get to relax. But even yep. then, it's not much of an offseason. No. You know, you got, you got mini camps, rookie mini camps, and you got training camp. You know, that's why we always 
when we talk about players, what month do we worry about players? It's generally end of June into July because there's nothing going on. And that's why the football news is quiet because the GMs are away. Everybody's away. And you worry about people getting in trouble here. So it's a tough job coaching. I don't think there's any doubt it is. There's so much pressure on you. All right, you're going to hear about it from the owner, maybe from the GM, maybe from the media. The players are griping about this and that. You got everybody coming at you from every which way, and generally you're the face. All right, yeah. you know what everybody wants to talk to. You got to go to those news conferences every day or every other day. Yeah, we all know how Belichick handles it. Yes, no, yes, no, not a football. Da da da. But other coaches, some coaches use it to their advantage. Bill Parcells certainly, over the years, learned how to have to get the. Ha- Get his message, of course, through the media. Jimmy Johnson was the same way with Dallas. They're more psychologists than coaches. But other coaches, it's the worst part of your day. And I can, you can just see the blood pressure growing up, going up as soon as they get a step into that conference room. Yeah, Eric Metz, who represents about two dozen coaches at the pro and college level, says, quote, the players have a union. The coaches do not have a union. That's a tremendous problem. They are, for lack of a better term, caught in the middle. They're not management. They're not players. And they don't have anyone negotiating on their behalf to address certain issues that they can have. This is regarding the opt-outs. There's zero known coaching opt-outs to date in the NFL of any level of coach, head or underneath, head or assistant. And here's the quote they should probably land the plane with. There's no way I'd opt-out. But I don't even think they have opt-outs for coaches, Mike Zimmer said. I think we love to do what we do so much that this is important to us. I get it. But I'm more, I'm, in some ways, I'm more worried about them than I am the players. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about the Washington Football Club. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Back on the grid and welcoming in our radio audience. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. Talking a little bit about just talking about the coaches and how nobody's opted out as of yet, George. But uh, how about the officials uh, who do have a union, unlike the coaches? Turns out seven NFL officials have opted out of the 2020 season. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported Friday that five on-field officials and two play officials for the 2020 season. Five on-field officials opted out. None of them are George. Our line judge, Jeff Bergman, back judge, Steve Freeman, field judge, Greg Gatreau, field judge, Joe Laru, and back judge, Tony Steratore. I assume related to Gene in some way. Uh, the deadline for refs to opt out was this past Thursday, uh, according to the agreement between the NFL and the NFL Referees Association. Any official with concerns about COVID could voluntarily elect to take a leave and would receive $30,000 in guaranteed job protection for the 2021 season. Any official who tests positive during the season will be treated as an injury sustained while performing league-sanctioned or required activity and be entitled to injury pay, medical expenses, and other benefits. So... Good news for the NFL that so few reps have decided to take a year off, but the league won't have to scramble to fill a ton of spots, George. But um, so that's it. They were protected in a way that the coaches weren't. Kind of an interesting dynamic. You know, I'm a little surprised here that uh, I told you during the break that more officials didn't opt out here, Mm -hmm. mainly because a lot of the officials are they're not just full time officials. We all know that. But these guys who are well off. 
right? This, that's the reason they're an official because theoretically they can't be bribed because they're they've had they're CEOs of companies, they're on boards, independently wealthy. How about yeah. that? Yeah, there yeah. we go. So I was surprised more did not that because why would you want to go through this? I mean, I get it. Technically, most officials are far away or, or further away from the players, but still. They're going to mask up, right? They're going to, man, when, I, when there's that fumble and you got that scrumble, you got that pile, those officials dive in there to see who's got that ball, right? You have there's to. There's hesitance to do that this year as a result of all this. And if, if they are, we've all heard the stories of what goes on at the bottom of those piles. Oh, yeah. From eye gouging to uh, yeah. groin grabbing below, and below everything else business, that goes on. Below the, below the belt stuff going on. <laughs> Was it, uh, yeah, give me the business, the business down there and everything else. That was the greatest call ever by that referee in the Buffalo Bills-Jets game. What was that, back in the 90s, maybe the 80s when we heard that? Uh, good for him to have some personality there. Uh, giving him the business down there. But you're going to see that over and over again if, they, if no one's getting in there. Even if you're getting in there, that's happening. Yeah. Right? We, we've all heard those stories of what goes on there. But uh, still, they're closer to the play. they got to touch the football all the time, too. You know, They may not spot it correctly. They never do. But uh, that's got to be involved as well here. I'm just surprised that we didn't have more for guys who, like I said, are independently wealthy, who don't need to go through this. You know, they got to travel somewhat, too. I know they're not going to travel as much as they used to. The, the rules are being laxed as far as how many times you can do yeah. one team or be in one stadium. But still, I'm, I am. Officials are not allowed to do more than two games a year of one team. They shuffle them around accordingly. But that will not be the case this year, just to try to reduce travel for the referee crews involved they're going to potentially you'll see a ref do three or four games of a particular team so we get to play that many so uh all right as an aside we'll go to get to dan snyder in a minute at this very moment all this fallout from college um but the nfl right now we've had in fact we had i had it up in the other article players uh, that have tested positive so far in the nfl is let me see if i can find it here real quick as we uh as i scroll through this but nonetheless i'll, I'll find the number as i go through it um how are you feeling right now about the season with the protocols instituted as we get a little bit closer we're now inside of four weeks till chiefs texans i mean if you're asking how i feel that the season's going to start on time yeah it's the nfl they are so they believe the virus is going to bend to them. So I think they're going to start on time. They're not going to admit they have any problems unless we have a baseball situation break out. The Cardinals, the Marlins, what happened with them? Then they might have to postpone a little bit. We do know they set up the schedule for the first two weeks of the season just in case where they can move those games around and not lose anything. You know, so we know that's happening there. But I think they're going to try and go through with it. I don't think the start is really what they're worried about because also they have to admit that they made a mistake. And the NFL doesn't like to do that. Right? They don't want to admit they made never. They believe they're God. That they're, you know, everything's going to bend to them. They're going to do what they want to do. So I think they'll start. Sure. It's really finished that I'm more worried about. Yeah. 102 team staffers across the league have known positives since June. Since June. That's actually it's not that long a period of time. That is compared to 107 players this offseason, 64 of which have occurred since reporting for training camp. Now, overall, the numbers have been really good for the NFL, right? Intake testing, I think, was around 1%, George, perhaps even a little bit less. Um, but I get why somebody like the officials that have this protection uh, would want to uh, would wanna opt out. But in terms of how I'm thinking the season is going to go, look, I, I, I did a whole hour with Joe Lisi earlier this week. We had Aaron Torres on, and 
they were both really fired up about college football. They think the Big Ten made a huge mistake for, for other reasons, not, not just that. Like, they got to get out there and play. They just feel like the players are still at risk going, doing workouts, being on campus. They're no safer from the coronavirus, in their opinion, no safer for the coronavirus being on campus and doing workouts than they would if they're out there playing games. So uh, I understood the points that they were making. But the reality is college football has crumbled to some extent. We may have the three power fives go out there. 76 teams are still live as of this moment. But, you know, we got major risks there. They've already reduced the season. We've lost uh, almost 60 teams. In the NFL, we're 32 for 32, going full bore. In MLB, we didn't lose any teams. We lost the Cardinals for a couple of weeks. As you just said during the break, they're going to play 11 doubleheaders. So I'm just starting to get to the point where I can't step in front of the freight train. They're going to play. I'm encouraged by the fact that MLB hasn't completely fallen apart, which I guess is a pretty low bar. But I've been encouraged by that. I think they're going to do this. And I just hope that it doesn't fall apart. That's all I can say. I mean, I think they're going to play. I do. Uh, Start the season on time and all that. Uh, I want the season to be played. I know I'm a little negative on it, but I want the season to be played. Listen, I set up my fantasy league. I'm the commissioner of my home league. I just set up a draft September 3rd. You know, I want that, and I want that draft to happen. I'm looking forward to it. I have the fourth pick, and away we go here. So I want the season to be played. But what is the NFL going to do? You can't tell me they're going to go through all 17 weeks, Mike, every game being played at the normal time, and everything's going to go blah, 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 fine. Are they going to be willing to do? What are the team – just let's bring out uh, the first game of the season between the Cowboys and Rams has to be canceled for whatever COVID reason you want to throw out there. They can't play that day. These two teams may not have the same bye week. Uh, are they going to be okay with ex- making week 18 a makeup week for certain teams? You know, maybe they could do that, I guess. That push the absolutely playoffs back. has to be part of the plan. Right. You could do that. But what if one team misses three games? Are you okay now? with the, And it's more, let's, you know, it's a marquee team. It's not the Miami Marlins. A, no one cares. St. Louis Cardinals are a marquee team. That's why they want these games made up. But let, let's just say, for argument's sake, it is the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers, Patriots, a marquee team. They only played 13 Fair. games. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, what do you do there, Mike? You can't have them play three extra weeks, and everybody has, has a month off. That's not going to work. Are you going to go by winning percentage? It is a winning percentage because Dallas went – I don't know. Philadelphia goes eleven and five. Dallas goes nine and four. So I think by winning percentage, I didn't do the math in my head, but that means Dallas would be ahead of Philadelphia. Is that enough? Even though Dallas then would have to win two of their last three games, or they would have played a full season to go ahead of Philadelphia. What about a wild card? Yeah, it's why you just have to assume that this season is not going to be like other ones. The Cardinals are playing eleven seven-inning double headers in the next six weeks uh, in baseball. In football, they can't have them. Play. They can have them do one makeup game. Realistically, would they bump back the playoffs two weeks? Probably not. Although it could get them into. Um, you can bump back weekend. a week. I don't think that's a problem. Everybody gets a bye week. Everybody gets a bye week except for the team that had to do the makeup. That's life. But then the number one seed is off for like a couple of weeks. They don't want to be off for two weeks. They probably well, don't want to be. As off. you just said, going to have to make allowances. I mean, is any one game? Maybe that's not a big difference. In my the scenario I brought up, I don't think one game's a huge thing, and maybe we get lucky. Maybe that one game that's being made up between, like I said, the, the Cowboys and Rams. I just threw it out there. Neither teams in the playoff hunt. It doesn't matter. You don't need to make it up. 
or maybe both teams have everything clinched. Cowboys already won the East, Rams are out, or Rams have a wild card. It only matters for seeding. Maybe you don't make it up. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I just think the NFL needs to be very clear on what their rules are. A bigger issue that could come up, George, is all right, let's say uh, Dallas and Philly both lose a couple of games. They finish nine and five. They're both nine and five, but they both lost two games. We're not going to do the makeups. But Philly, I, this is a hypothetical. I'm not looking at their schedules right now. Philly played more divisional games, and they ended up, they're four and one in the division. Dallas is three and one in the division. And they split head to head. Right. So you can't use that. Yeah. Then what? There's, there's a Philly lot of wins. No. Doesn't make any sense. Right. There's a, there's a lot of then what's. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in this case? I'm I'm of the belief in baseball. I treat baseball like as entertainment. Whatever happens, listen, happens. It's a totally weird true. year. We're going to have to games. deal with it. It's a it's a ridiculous situation, but we're it's just joke watching already. it. Let's go. But football, yeah. we're planning on playing a full season, not playing an 11 game season. If they were to do that, okay, then once again, whatever happens, happens. But they better iron out all of these rules, all of these possibilities. And you and I just we're just going to the top of our head. There's many many other possibilities. What if three teams? Miss games, and two of them against each other. So you can't make it up in one weekend. You would need that second week to make them all. You know, Dallas misses two games, one against the Rams or one against I don't know uh, Green Bay. You know, and then you got to make these games up, and it does matter. And here's another thing. Let's say uh, you know Dallas, as I mentioned, against uh, three games. That second game against Green Bay doesn't mean anything to Dallas. They don't care. Are they even going to want to play this game? No, no. Look, man. I, I think these players, I think they've got a taste of it from the NBA and how well it's going in the NHL, how well it's going and how it can go south in MLB. And I don't think there there's going to be a, a majority of guys that are being irresponsible. But as we've seen, it just takes a couple and you're asking to do it for five months. It's a long time. It just is. Let's come back. We'll talk about Dan Snyder. Dalvin Cook and some other things right here on The Grid. We'll be right back on the Grid uh, with more Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the grid, talking about the Washington Football Club. And, George, we've seen this story pop up before, but the Wall Street Journal breaking news earlier this week that the minority partners of Washington's NFL team are pressuring Dan Snyder to sell the franchise, people familiar with the matter say. Now, realistically, this is not going to happen. He has no intention of actually selling the team. But when the minority owners like Fred Smith of FedEx and others are putting pressure on him uh, in order to do something about this or putting pressure on the entire franchise, there's some been some rumors that people are planning stories about him, trying to make him look bad to try and get him out. Um, people point to the Carolina Panthers as a way in which the NFL forced him out and I think Jerry Richardson really kind of raised his hand quickly before it got to that point. He was older. Uh, he was probably looking to slow things down 
in his own way. He had played in the NFL. He was the only owner that had also. But it, it felt to me like in the moment that as much pressure as, as was being put on Jerry Richardson, he raised his hand to sell the team before it even mushroomed. You know what I mean? It, it just he was like, I'm out. I'm selling the team. Uh, I get it. Uh, I'm just going to retire. And that story lost its legs as a result of him doing that. In this instance, Dan Snyder's like, I'm not going anywhere. Plus, he's young. He bought the team when he was a very young man. He's a young owner still. And uh, I just don't see any way that this is going to happen. But it is an interesting dynamic that people seem to be trying to force him to do so. I think there's a lot of layers here. Those minority owners were also the ones who sort of got the ball really going on changing the former nickname. Absolutely. Right? They yeah. sort of uh, they they sort of uh, pushed that ball there where he uh, sort of had no choice here. Uh, when you bring up Richardson, he also made a racial comment. Mm -hmm. So that really you know Snyder hasn't done that. He's been a little what's the word ignorant about the former nickname, saying it's not racist when we all know it is. Yeah. You know, and I'm never going to change it, Definitely. and blah, blah, blah. He's been a little silly about that, but he's never said anything stupid where the NFL could use against him. I think it would be a bigger fight for the NFL. I think but, Richardson... But there's all, of, all these sexual harassment issues that he happened on his watch. Now, he wasn't directly implicated or accused in those, but you could make the argument that it's like, uh, that they call in the NCA an institutional control scenario... People are running wild in that building. He doesn't do anything about it. I would agree. But does anybody truly believe Washington and Snyder are the only organization that does this? No, which is so why the other owners can't say anything. Right. That's why I think the other owners are like, okay, I'll worry about my own backyard here, mm -hmm. you know, and not do this. Uh, listen, I think you can make a case, but I think it's a harder case. I think Snyder will fight it. Richardson, as you said, I think Richardson was like, he was looking for a way out. Oh, you want me to sell? Okay, I'll sell. You know, that's fine. He he was gone. You met the Snyder was much younger than Richardson. I think he's egotistical. You know, like, listen, a lot most billionaires are egotistical. They think they're right and they know everything. I think he'd fight. And I think he may bring some things out of the closet that the NFL doesn't want out of the closet. You know, it wouldn't shock if he goes down. You know, if he goes, he's the kind of guy who was, if I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. You know, and I think the NFL would worry about that to some degree here before yeah. pushing him out here. I think what you brought up is interesting that, uh, he's, he's only fifty-five. He's a little paranoid. He's only been he for twenty years. No, well, he said he was a young billionaire, right? Yeah. That's probably that's also why he is the way he is. He got the money at such an early age. He really didn't grow up. And you know, he's, he's we've a child. About, yeah, we yeah yeah, and we've talked about this before, um, where he is known or has been known. We'll see if he just changes his tune to not really taking counsel with other owners, which is rare. He's a little bit of a lone wolf in that way. Um, a lot of younger owners, they come in, they try to make friends, they figure out how do we do this. Like even somebody like David Tepper, he didn't need anybody to tell him how to run a business, right? He's worth like ten billion dollars. He doesn't well, need help it, with that. Is it Snyder, what the NFL is? It's my way. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm not listening to anybody. And we're going to do it this way. But look how guys, look how many guys screw it up. Uh, Jimmy Haslam is lucky, frankly, to have federal prison for his price fixing scenario but he's come in and run a already franchise that was already beaten down further into the ground and there's no signs of it turning around yet maybe Kevin Stefanski is that savior but it's not about smarts and money it's about how 
to do business in the terms of the NFL, which is a fixed economy and a fixed way of doing business. Yeah, Listen, it, it doesn't surprise me. It just doesn't. You know, now what? Uh, he's he's now paranoid, right? He thinks people are tall, are planting stories about him. They are. And he's saying things. I mean, I know Gabriel Morenci talked about this on his uh, show uh, that he could be sued for libel for this. And you wonder if that's coming next. You know, once again, he's Schneider's in some ways giving the NFL ammunition to try and get rid of him because if he is sued on the sexual harassment, that granted he wasn't a part of it, but knew about it and did nothing, and he's the owner. He can be sued for that. He can be part of that lawsuit. If there's a libel suit coming against him for what he keeps saying about a certain, I think, secretary or whatever, administrator uh, planting stories against him, and then he can't prove that, that's libel. And once again, the owners could then use that against him, or Goodell could use it against him. Yeah. So, uh, listen, we all know what Goodell's about, protecting the shield. And right now, Schneider, is he's soiling it. I don't think there's any doubt he's soiling that. But I, don't think the, I just don't think the NFL is going to be all, let's get him out of here, not without a smoking gun where they have no choice because I think they're worried about their backyard too. I just don't think this is the only team this stuff happens in. I just, I just wonder, like, at what point are you, do you just, are, are you at home by yourself or with your family and you're like, this isn't worth it. Oh, I agree. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm getting pounded. And I know, Why do I and, I, like and you think you know better. I still think I know better. Despite the fact that I've been a total failure at this for 20 years, I know better than these people because I made a billion dollars by the time I was 34 years old. So, but I, I don't know. Like the, the one family that gets crushed that you know they're just never going to sell because their family business or is the Brown family with the Bengals. It's their family business. That's their money. That's how their money was made. Uh, these other guys have had different business ventures and have made money. It's, now, the Brown family can obviously retire based on whatever they sell the Bengals for, which would be north of $2 billion. Yes, even the Bengals. But um, you just wonder how long he's willing to take it. Obviously, he's going to take it on the chin for a lot longer. Like, he's gotten to the point where he's actually changing the name. It's fascinating in that way. You know? I mean, he's changing the name after he said he would never do that. He's had all these problems going on. I mean, and he's not very good. I mean, let's face it, Washington football club, football team, whatever you want to call this, they've been bad for a long time. Two playoff wins in his ownership tenure, one in the last 15 years. They won one in 2005, so last time. That's, wow, that's terrible. That's just terrible. It's awful. You know, and uh, as I like to say with Jerry Jones, eventually that comes down to you. You're the problem. You're the one constant. You keep hiring different coaches, different players, but you're the one that's still there. Right? It doesn't work. You yeah. got issues there. And the phase just comes down to sort of what you said before. I'm a billionaire. Why am I putting up with this aggravation? I mean, I would love to own the New York Yankees, but if I'm getting yelled at all the time here and I got a gazillion dollars here, I'm gone. I'm going to live the good life. Or I just know? step out of the way. I'd be, you know, I just stay in the owner's box and just not, like, just not do anything about it. I bring in the Ron Rivera thing. That might actually have legs for this team to at least get them back to respectability. So they're not getting kicked in the teeth all the time. Ron Rivera obviously did a good job in Carolina. Uh, maybe he's got an opportunity to do it here. Anyway, next story. Before uh, you go there, before you yeah, go, yeah, ask yeah. you a question. Yes. If Ron Rivera had to do it all over again, do you think he accepts this job knowing everything that's happening here? All the stuff with the team. I mean, Darius Geis, and they had to release him now, and everything that's going on. Ron Rivera who probably could have waited for another job. Even I thought he was off. going to. So did I. So did I. Do you I didn't think, think he was going to take that job. 
do you think all things being equal, if he had to do it all over again, he's like, <laughs> no way. I'm Ron Rivera. I will get another job. I don't think so because of the guy that everybody talks about that he is. He's so well-respected. He is. Another guy with a military background. I think he just sees this as getting past hurdles. If I, 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 you know, I'm trying to psychoanalyze the guy, but he's such a football lifer. I think he's just kind of blocking and tackling to use a terrible um, cliche and, and trying to get through all of this. It can be a distraction, but for him and the players, whatever. He the, is the, name's he's the gone, right guy so. for the job. I have no. I think, I think Snyder got very lucky. He hired the right guy by accident, really. He should get a bonus already. Oh, he should. He should actually get a hell of a bonus, a new contract. But if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm thinking the same thing as I think about Schneider owning the team. I'm Ron Rivera. I would have gotten another job even if I had to wait another year to go get a, a job next year. That's the thing. They don't want to sit out. They don't. The coaches they, don't want to sit out. And you're they right. They're, they're you're staring right. coronavirus in the face. They can't They can't stand to be at home. But it's why go to Washington? really different people. You know, if you're from rare Washington dealing with all this crap for a team that hasn't been good in forever, you're playing against the Cowboy team. An Eagle team that you know are better than you. And they're Upside, not going anywhere baby. anytime soon. Upside. He can make them, the, they could be the acorn that becomes the giant oak. That's the way he's looking at it. I think uh, they're, I'm trying to figure out how many owners in the NFL I wouldn't want to work for. Snyder, Jones are probably my top two. Maybe Davis out in uh, Vegas now. I'm not, I'm not working for them. Not if I'm Ron Rivera. I'm not dealing, unless I have written, in writing, and we've seen that's really not worthless too. In writing, you will not interfere. You will leave me alone, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, other than that, no thank you. I'm, I just keep going back to it. He's Ron Rivera. Could have gotten another job. There's no way I would have taken this job. No yeah, way. I get it. Uh, so we'll close it out. we got three minutes. Speaking to reporters for the first time in training camp, this is according to Ben Gosling from the, uh, Minneapolis, from the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. Added, it was never a consideration not to come to training camp. This That was never coming from me. I love being around the guys. Football is like a stress reliever for me. I'm glad it's a stress reliever, but it's a pretty stressful job. But in, in, in any event, that's not what we heard from other people, George. Listen, maybe you know, these guys are workaholics. And maybe staying at home and not being able to you know, look at film, look at plays, you know, I'll coach people up. Maybe that is stressful. Maybe it would drive you insane being at home. Maybe your wife wants to strangle you being at home, you know, when you're home all the time, right? And maybe you do need to go to work. Maybe that is how you, where you feel at home, where you feel comfortable dealing with football, dealing with players, whatever it might be. It sounds strange to me, Mike, but we all know this. Some people don't know how to relax, don't know how to go outside in your yard, go sit on a hammock and have a drink and listen to music or watch a game on TV or whatever it is, go out with the family, go to an amusement park, whatever it might be. I've known people in regular jobs who can't relax, yeah. who are always on the go here. And maybe that's what these, how these guys are built. Maybe that's why they're good at what they do. Yeah, possible. So we'll talk a little bit more. We've got uh, a couple of minutes left. We'll talk a little bit more about Dalvin Cook on the other side. We were, I was sure he was going to hold out. Now he's saying that uh, that was never coming from me. I just find the whole thing odd, George. We were worried about uh, him holding out. So... Oh, we got another minute left. Uh, so, yeah, comment on it real quick. Dalvin Cook, do you, do you believe that he was going to hold out or he just decided, you know what, I can't sit at home. I, I got to be out there. I think he wants to hold out. He, that, always, we're seeing this now. I think it's going to be a new thing in football, by the way, with these top running backs realizing their sh short shelf life are going to have to start to hold out, do what Zeke did, you know, do what Melvin Gordon did in order to get that contract. So I think we're going to see it more often. Cook, 
I guess he was talked into coming back, or it wasn't a good idea here. But I think if they want, if they truly want to get this contract, they might have to sit out a game or two. If you're two, three years away from free agency, or you're worried about the franchise take, which isn't going to benefit you either, then I think you may have to sort of force the owner's hand. Not quite what Jamal Adams did, mind you, but maybe you have to force the owner's hand. Hey, you're not going to pay me? I'm not going to play. Guy with an injury history, obviously, but very productive season in 2019. So Dalvin Cook will be one of those top players off the board in your fantasy drafts, George, right? Like the top five RB. Better get Madison, too. Yeah. So, uh, George, and I'll come back to close out this hour of football full circle on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, closing out this hour of Football Full Circle. I've got a question for you, George. Since you were talking about Dan Snyder, and mentioning that you wouldn't want to play for him or Jerry Jones or uh, I don't know if you threw anybody else out there. So it made me think of what is the owner you would most want to play for or coach for in the NFL? I guess I'll, I'll, I'll have to limit it to coaching. We don't have any playing ability. Yeah. So and, oh, and play, players play, players need a, a roster spot and they're getting paid for their services no matter what. But coach, because the coaching dynamic, we all agree that it was difficult. You said Jerry Jones is one of the guys you want to play for. Uh, look how difficult that dynamic was for Jason Garrett. You can pile on Jason Garrett all you want, but the dynamic was difficult. So who is the co- who is the owner that you would like to coach for the most? You know, when I said this, I did mean uh, coaching part, not playing part. Playing, you don't yeah, yeah. you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you listen. With Jerry Jones, you know he's not staying out of your way. He's going to be involved. He's making the press conference. He's going to make you look silly. And as I used to like the joke that you could see the strings in the back of Jason Garrett's press conferences because Jerry Jones is there pulling them. Uh, you think of an owner, you want an absentee owner. A guy's going to leave you alone, let you do your job, but will spend money. That's the key there, right? You want him to spend money, give you a, uh, a budget there, but he's going to leave you alone. I think you go to your team. And that's the first guy that comes to mind, the Rooney's. Not only do they That's leave you alone, place. they give you time. They don't overreact to one bad year. If you're 50 years old, you've seen two coaching changes for the Steelers, if you're 50. You've gone Chuck Knoll to Cower to Tomlin. Two. I mean, two I, in I, my I lifetime. can't. I don't know if I can think. I'm looking at the teams. And I don't know if I can think of a better place. I mean, I just town. don't. You don't want Ursa in Indianapolis? No thanks. But this is what this sort of goes back to what we're saying. It's why if you're a young owner, and it's why it's why I've said all along I think Carolina will be successful. David Tepper was a minority owner with the Steelers. And he sort of learned, all right, this is how you get things done here. That's why I trust that he might be able to do it. Now, maybe he becomes a tyrannical owner, starts firing, hiring, and all this other kind of stuff. Maybe. But he made one coaching change so far. And, you know, they changed personnel around. But I think he's got a shot to really learn how to run his team the right way. Not just because he has a lot of money or successful uh, at his hedge fund. But the, the reality is, I, I think you're right. I think being able, they know how to run the business of football. Um, 
Giants used to be an answer, and they're just not anymore. But uh, it's a conversation for us to talk about another time. That's it for this hour. On behalf of George Kurtz and producer Brian Rakowski, I'm Mike Blewett. Thanks for watching Football Full Circle. We'll see you next time. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.